This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, especially if you may be watching for your very first time. We, we're delighted to have you today. And also, we appreciate those who watch every time we're on the air, and we appreciate your watching as well. Now today, our subject is entitled, Give God a Chance. Give God a Chance. I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that subject today. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course and I'd like to emphasize that this course is free. We're not going to be asking for money today. We never ask for money. We offer this free of charge. As a matter of fact, anything we offer on getting to know your Bible is free. And in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive the course, we want to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible, it's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read now from the 12th chapter of Luke, beginning in verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed, and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Have you ever said something like this? Would you just give me a chance? Perhaps you said that to your dad when you were asking to use the family car. Maybe you said that when you were applying for a job. Just give me a chance. Maybe you said that to your coach when you were wanting to get into the game. Say, coach, just give me a chance to get in. I'll prove myself if you'll just let me in the game. And so maybe we, we've said that in various areas of our life. But many never give God a chance. He, he's totally left out of the equation. So I'll raise the question, why not give God a chance? Give God a chance in your heart. But the fact is, we tend to crowd him out with other things. 
as Luke 8.14 suggests, with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And we don't give him a chance. Well, why not make your heart his throne? In 1 Peter 3.18, we're told that Christ hath once suffered for us that he might bring us to God. And why, why don't you make your heart God's throne? Why not love him supremely as Jesus taught in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, With all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And to love God means that we do what God tells us to do. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. You see, failing to give God a chance was the mistake of the rich farmer. He was not rich toward God. He was thinking about himself. He was thinking about his fruits, his goods, his barns, even his soul. But he was not thinking about God. Give God a chance in your heart. Give God a chance in your home. You know, there are some people who sit piously in a worship service on Sunday, have a complete change of demeanor at home, and they become some kind of a wild thing at home. We, we need to center our homes around God. And I submit that if your home is not centered around God right now, then you don't have the best that can be. In Psalms 127, in verse 1, the Bible says, Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Oh, that we had more fathers and husbands today like Joshua of old who said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I suggest that we ought to work together and we ought to worship together as a family. There was a little boy that asked the question one day, why did God build two churches? You see, his mom went to one and his dad to another. The little boy was confused. We ought to work together, live together, and families ought to worship together. And if we'll center our home life around God, we will never entertain the idea of breaking up the home because there will be no reason to do so. In all of my years of preaching, I have never known of a family that divorced one from the other because they were faithful to the Lord. But I have known scores of people who, who broke up their home and broke up their marriage and and, and disrupted their children's lives. And those people, first of all, divorced themselves from God before they divorced themselves from one another. I plead with you today to give God a chance in your home and to make your home a Christian home. Make it a home where where prayer is heard, where the Bible is read. In the Old Testament, 
In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, beginning in the fourth verse, Moses told ancient Israel, Hear, O O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. The word which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And they shall be for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates. You see, they were taught to teach their children about God, and their homes are to be centered around the concept that there is a God, and that you love that God, and you love His Word, and His Word is to permeate your life. Yes, give God a chance in your home if you're not a Christian father and a Christian husband. If you're not a Christian mother and a Christian wife, may I urge you to think quite seriously today about making your home a Christian home, a real Christian home, a home where there is love, a home where there is prayer, where there's the reading of the Bible, a home where there is peace, And in order to become a Christian, you must believe in Jesus Christ. You must be willing to repent of your sins. You must be willing to confess your faith in Christ and to be baptized into Christ. I'd urge you to do that. Jesus said, if you believe and if you're baptized, you'll be saved in Mark 16, 16. Acts 2, 38 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So if you as a believer in Jesus would repent of your sins, Be baptized into Christ. You'll be a Christian. And you can have a Christian home, be a Christian father, be a Christian mother. Bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Please give God a chance in your home. And then give God a chance in prayer. Well, what can God do? Well, He can help you if you will let Him. Well, someone may say, well, what? how can He help me? Well, Paul put it like this in Ephesians 3.20, that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. You see, God can do so much more than we have ever imagined. But you know, we try to carry on without God. We, we try to do it ourselves. And this is like a child trying to learn to walk without someone helping that child. And that child is going to fall down and get up and fall down and get up and fall down without someone helping that child to learn how to walk. And when we try to live our lives without God, we're going to be falling down more than we're standing. God cares what happens. He cares. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, Casting all of your care on Him, for He cares for you, regardless of who you, where you are or who you are. 
I want you to know that God cares for you. You say, well, Brother Lambert, I'm, I, I'm in prison right now and I've got more time to serve. God cares for you. You say, well, I'm a single mother and I'm having a hard time getting by. God cares for you. You, you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm old now and I'm, here I am, I'm, I'm living in a facility and I have other people helping take care of me. I want you to know God cares for you. You say, I'm having a hard time in, with, with my business right now. Things are not good right now. We, we may even lose our home. God cares for you. And to try to live your life without God is like trying to live without the air that's necessary for us to breathe. God cares. He cares what happens to His children. 1 Peter 3.12 says, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. Did you hear Him? That His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. I want to be on speaking terms with God. That's the reason I want to be His child. That's the reason I want to be a Christian. I want to be able to talk to God and ask God to help me and have the assurance that He will. 1 John 5.14 says this is the confidence that we have in Him. That, that if we ask anything according to His will, now there is the condition involved. I can't ask God to do something contrary to His will. But if I ask according to His will, I know that He hears me. And if He hears me, I know that I have the petitions that I ask of Him. 1 John 5, 14, 15. God cares. And we need to come before the throne of grace, according to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. And the reason that we come before that throne of grace is that we may find grace, that we may find mercy, that we may find God's help in time of need in our lives. And that's the reason in Matthew 7 and verse 7, Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that seeketh findeth, and he that knocketh unto him shall it be opened. And everyone that asketh, it shall be given unto him. He said, What man of you, if he had, had a son, if that son were to ask him, him for a fish, would he give him a serpent? If he were asked for bread, would he give him a stone? And then Jesus made the application, If ye being evil, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things unto them that ask him? God cares. So give God a chance in prayer. We need to be on our knees in prayer for our world. We need to be on our knees in prayer for peace in the world. We need to be on our knees praying for America. We need to be on our knees praying for those in positions of authority today that they will have wisdom. We need to be praying that God will rule and overrule in the affairs of this world. We need to be praying for our families. We need to be praying for our children. We need to be, there are so many things for which we ought to pray. So give God a chance in prayer. But give God a chance in your life. You must unconditionally surrender to God. Romans 6, 19 says, Yield ye yourselves unto Him. Give God a chance in your life. 
You give Him a chance by worshiping Him. Suppose your children did not want to be in your presence. How would you feel? Well, see, God wants to be us to be in with Him in worship. And He said, where two or three are gathered together in My name, there am I in the midst of them. And God wants us to listen to Him when He speaks in His Word. God is not speaking to us through dreams and visions and small still voices in the night. He speaks to us according to Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 through Jesus Christ, His beloved Son. And He speaks to us through the inspired Word that is given. What if your children did not want to listen to you? How would you feel? You say, well, I'd be hurt. Well, we need to be listening to God in His Word. That is, we need to study the Bible. And we need to be listening to God and, and we need to be speaking to Him in prayer. Suppose your children would not speak to you. How long has it been since you spoke to God in prayer? And then we need to be giving our time to do His work. Will you dedicate your life to Him? Will you just give a God a chance in your life? Would you do that? Paul was a dedicated man and he encouraged others to be dedicated. And in Romans the 12th chapter he said verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be you transformed by the renewing of your minds you may prove what is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. Please give God a chance. Give God a chance to save you. Will you do that? You see, He wants to. According to 2 Peter 3 and 9, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God does not want any person to be lost. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 4 says he, he would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants to save you and He wants to change you and He wants to make your life into something that is beautiful and useful. You see 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold all things are become new. He wants to save you so that your sins will be forgiven like those of Saul of Tarsus of old. And that man named Saul became the later was known as the great Apostle Paul. And Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And yet he had his sins forgiven. He wants to save you so that you will have peace of mind. So that you can have that peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 7. Do you have that kind of a peace now? I suggest that I'm likely speaking to some heart right now whose life is in turmoil. It'd be an unusual thing if if I was not speaking on television at any given time and there was not someone watching whose life was not in turmoil, 
I want you to know if you'll just give God an opportunity in your life, He, 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 he will save you so that you can have that peace of mind, that peace that passes all understanding. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And he wants to save you so that you can have a good influence upon other people. Well, what about the influence that you have on your family? Well, what about the influence on your children? Can you say to your children, Now, I want you to be just like me because I'm trying to be just like Jesus. I want you to be just like me because I'm trying to go to heaven when I die. Can you say that to your children? Can can you say that to your people that you work with? Can you say that to the the, the young people that you associate with at school? Can, Can you say that to the people around you? You follow me, I follow Christ. Well, the way that we do that is by letting the Lord save us from our sins and then we will have a good influence. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 12 and he said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. He told Timothy, I want you to be a good example to other people. So if you will allow the Lord to save you, you give God that opportunity, God that opportunity to save you by your rendering obedience to Him, submitting to Him, then you're going to have a good influence on other people. Think about all the people that could be led to Christ because of your good influence. I have seen people whom people would think, well, this individual will never become a Christian. They, they would never even entertain that, and then they become a Christian. And then those that have been watching them and looking at them are so impressed that they want what they have. I remember one Sunday morning, some uh, family visited where I preach in Somerdale, Alabama, and the woman said, I have a friend who is a member of the Church of Christ, and I just wanted to come to find out why she has what she has. But you see, I know her friend, and she is a joyful person to be around. As a matter of fact, she, she has had a lot of physical problems, and in spite of all of the physical problems that she's had, she's been able to smile through them all. And she has such a good attitude, a, a positive attitude, and she had such an influence on this woman that this woman wanted to come and to find out why she could have such a joyful, positive attitude. Well, that's influence. And the fact is we're influencing people, good or bad, right or wrong, we're influencing people. But you see, if you give a God a chance to save you, think about all the other people around you that are going to be influenced by you. Well, would you give God a chance to save you so that you can have hope? Don't you want hope? When hope is gone, despair sets in. I read the story a number of years ago about a submarine just off of the coast that, that was disabled on the bottom of the ocean. And those who were trying to rescue the men on the inside could hear a tapping coming from inside the sub. And they were tapping in Morse code 
Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Well, there is hope. Christ is our hope, 1 Timothy 1.1. And Christ in us is the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Yes, Christ is our hope. And without Christ, there is no hope, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. But in Christ... We have hope, hope for the future, and the best is yet to come. Now, I want to ask you again, will you give God a chance to save you? God wants to save you, but you see, he cannot save a person who doesn't want to be saved. He cannot save a person against their will. And He can't save you without Jesus' blood. It took the blood of Jesus being shed on the cross of Calvary that the world might have an opportunity to be saved. Apart from the shedding of blood, there's no remission. But when we render obedience to the gospel by believing on Christ and repenting of our sins and and, and confessing our faith in Christ by being baptized into Christ. According to Romans 6, 3 and 4, when we're baptized, we're baptized into Christ in His death, buried with Him by baptism into death. And it was in His death that He shed His blood. There's no power in the water. Absolutely not. The power is in the blood. But it is in the action of baptism being buried with Christ, that we are baptized into the benefits of that death, obey, obeying a likeness of His death. And then we arise to walk in the newness of life, Romans 6, 1 through 4. I want to urge you to give your life to Christ, to repent of your sins, and to be willing to submit to water baptism for the remission of your sins. Peter asked in Acts 10, 47, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized. Baptized in what? In water. In water. There's no power in the water. The power is in doing what God said to do. Just like when Naaman and over in 2 Kings chapter 5 was told to dip in the river Jordan seven times to be healed of his leprosy. The power is not in the water. It was in doing God's will. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580. 
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.